0: You are walking through the deep, dark woods. You have been treading on the forest floor for days, weeks, maybe months. You don't really know anymore. This space devours time. You lay your weary form to rest beneath an ancient tree and, lost in momentary reverie, you hear a sound, or not quite a sound, something that seems to have the properties of little sparkling lights. You get up and follow the sound. Now your step seems guided and reinvigorated with purpose. Wondrously you reach a clearing. There you are greeted by the sight of a tower crowned by the full moon. Atop the tower, splitting the lunar light, a cloaked silhouette raises a wand to the sky and the moon shines golden. Welcome, disciple. Welcome to the realm of the wizard in the ivory tower.
1: One thing that I'm grateful for is uh, the fact that I have interesting enemies. I mean, we're all going to have some sort of enemy uh, at some point, so might as well be an interesting one, right? So there's this guy, an old colleague of mine, you know, from the PhD program. Uh, we had apparently a good relationship back then, but uh, that didn't last, I guess. So he has become kind of my like, storybook arch enemy uh, for the last years, these last years. And, um, you know, I lovingly refer to him as the Archduke of Schistenstein. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you're lurking on my Facebook page, you might have seen some references to that. Anyway, um and since he is an interesting enemy, uh, he had something interesting to say about me, uh, and th- that wasn't necessarily within the context of our conflict. Um, he said that I'm still haunted by the ghosts of my adolescence, and I think that's very profound. I think he said it in a way as if I don't know that about myself, and he does, Um but that's something that I've been very conscious about uh, from very early on. And um, and it's something I want to talk about today. Uh, not necessarily as a way to exercise these ghosts. Um, I think those are ghosts we carry with us always. You know, the only thing that can change is what kind of relationship you develop with those ghosts. Um, but I want to, you know, <clears throat> like sit back, relax and just ramble about that stuff a bit. Because I think that my adolescence and uh, the archetypal backdrop of some of the experiences I had during that time were crucial in um, developing, you know, the co- concept of the Wizard and the Ivory Tower. So... You know, just so, the, just so that the threads connect, I'm going to very briefly, you know, talk about my childhood. So I was born in Greece, um, in, you know, my hometown, uh, the place where I've lived most of my life. Uh, but I grew up in Germany. And that's because when I was about two and a half or three years old, my parents, who are high school teachers they had an opportunity to go to Germany and walk, uh, sorry, <laughs> walk, work, and uh, work in um, Greek high school there. And both of them would like get double wages. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a very good job opportunity. And my parents, both of them, really uh, loved traveling around in Europe. So that was a very good opportunity for them. Uh, and, uh, so I, yeah, until I was like nine, uh, I grew up in Germany and I went to a German school and everything. I had some interesting, uh, <laughs> I had some interesting stories from the German education system, but l- let's keep them for another time. Um, anyway, uh, all in all, it was, um, a nice childhood there. You know, we, <clears throat> we lived Um, essentially next to a forest and even the school was like almost in the forest you know and I I really experienced this you know um, northern European uh, dark fairy tale forest feel and um, and one thing I really loved about Germany was um, uh, we went to like Medieval reenactment um, fairs, essentially what you might, uh, you know, in the States you might be um, more familiar with, like Renaissance fairs, it was something like that, you know. And it was, it happened in real, you know, castles because Germany had, still has a lot of castles from those times. And that was really magical for me. Uh, I'm not saying that my childhood in Germany was perfect, uh, but it was, it was good and it was very interesting. And it gave me a lot, you know, we, because we essentially were geographically in the heart of uh, Northwestern Europe, we traveled a lot by car even, because my parents really liked that. And so we went like all over Western Europe. Uh, And so I, you know, I grew up with um, that stuff around me. And that was quite important for me. Anyway, so um the that job opportunity for my parents at that last it was like scheduled for six years, so uh, after that we came back to Greece and um until junior high uh my childhood back here in Greece was not good uh, I was bullied a lot um you know. All the good things that I experienced in Germany uh, weren't around anymore, so I didn't even have that, you know, to keep my mind occupied. Uh, And basically the only thing I could uh, do to just escape the situation was buy Star Wars comics. But all the Star Wars comics that I could find in my hometown during those days um, were in English. And I could buy them in like... um, Tourist shops and stuff. So I kind of learned uh, pretty good English just from re- trying to read those comics and watching a lot of uh, American TV and stuff. Uh, because that was my escape, you know, from the situation. Because I had a, had very bad years until junior high. Then junior high, um, I had really good friends, <clears throat> especially the first two years. But um, I still had, you know, bullying incidents that followed me from. Uh, from grade school. Uh, but all in all, I'd say it was a, it was generally positive. I mean, I didn't like the school or anything. I had some problems with the principal who really just had a problem with me. Although I was, you know, I was uh, a quiet kid. I didn't really cause any problems, but I guess I was weird, you know. I mean, okay, I was like a, an 11, 12-year-old 11, uh, with long hair and black clothes. But, you know, that's that's not a reason enough, I suppose. Um, anyway, so um, when I was 14, um, I kind of, you know, started going into the more uh, typical uh, adolescent stage, and, you know, I started dressing up uh much uh, slowly into a dark gothic style and you know everything I, I like to say that um during those years not in the beginning later on i was a gothic lilitus if that makes sense anyway um and that's kind of when some problems started um so uh the way it works in Greece, it's three years of junior high and then also three years of high school. I think in the States it's like two and four. I'm not sure, but this is how it is in Greece. So uh, from 14 to like 15, <clears throat> I was in my last year of junior high. And, you know, I reached that point where I developed like my uh, very acidic sense of humor, you know, and... um so I thought to myself, okay, if this this asshole principal thinks I'm uh, I'm like a messed up kid, I'll I'll prove him right, <laughs> you know. And I I really did think about it like that. It wasn't even like subconscious. So I delighted in drawing huge dicks on the walls and stuff like that. And you know that I I like doing that because it was so ridiculous, and yet something so ridiculous created such a big narrative of. What the fuck is happening? Uh, So, yeah, I enjoyed that very much. And uh, I think it wasn't that year that this very peculiar sense, or not peculiar, but very specific sense of humor that I have developed. And, um, yeah, anyway, and that was also the year that I started uh, exploring dark aesthetics much more. And that was was exciting, you know. I didn't have, I didn't really have people to share that with. uh, But still, you know, it was the sense of exploration and it was very interesting and um i was also in a band with uh two twin boys uh they were a very strange characters very you know but also very interesting and very talented musicians and we had a lot of good times you know but um yeah, and at some point we even managed to play like in front of a big audience and something later on. But anyway, yeah, it was it was nice. There was all those sparks of something interesting coming, you know, the, the stuff you expect from high school and everything. And that year I also had like my first girlfriend and also the only girlfriend I would have for my entire high school experience. Um And you know, we never like did anything beyond first base or anything. But it lasted a month, and then obviously didn't. um, It didn't stick because she wasn't even. uh, We weren't even from the same school, so we saw each other like once a week. And you know, at some point, this is just more trouble than it's worth. You know. So anyway. Uh, so, yeah, um, that year, my last year of junior high, so, you know, uh, 14 to 15. Uh, yeah, it was interesting and generally OK, I'd say, you know. Um, and also, I think, no, we're going to go into it right now because now we, we reach like the, the summer before high school. And um, that was the the moment when I, the time when I also started experimenting with the occult, you know. And obviously when I, you know, did my first rituals, you know, and everything, uh, there was excitement and everything, but there was also fear, obviously. But this fear, I remember it fondly, you know, because it's, it's part of this excitement of getting into something mysterious you know you know it's this this combined feeling of um the dragon's cave that also has treasure you know you know what i mean so yeah that was that, that's that was the time when i was uh, 15 when things started developing or you know more obviously developing who I would become. So junior high is over and um, now high school is to begin and the way the the system worked with like school districts and stuff, um, they sent me to like a really crappy school and um, it was, I mean, even looking at it gave me depression, it was horrible. So uh, at that time, in my hometown, there was only one uh, private private high school, and um, it was very affordable, very very affordable, and it was a really good s- school uh, in many ways. And it was also it was a school that uh, gave me a big sense of respect and protection, you know. So, but we're gonna get into that. So my parents um, asked me, "Do you want to go there?" You know, it's. Uh, no i was an only, I was an only child my parents all both of them always had uh, steady jobs and the school was cheap anyway so I said, yeah sure you know um I'd like to go there plus um there were some people in that school that I knew and that were interesting uh, or at least so it seemed to me I guess it also was that way in many ways and one of them was um that uh, ex-girlfriend of mine that I had when I was, like, 14. And, uh, you know, we're still, like, on good terms. And, you know, we talked and stuff. And she was happy I was going to come to that school, you know. Um, We had, like, a mutual appreciation for each other, even after, like, breaking up or whatever. Anyway, and um, so, yeah, I go to that school. And while the year before, in my last year of junior high, I was a complete hooligan, the moment I... I passed through the gate of that school, I became like a perfect model student. And this was not out of strictness, not out of fear, not out of anything like that. I immediately felt that I am in an environment that appreciates what, you know, my talents and what I can do. And also an environment that wants to protect me, and an environment that legitimately rewards uh, good behavior. And I felt all that at once, you know. So um, I really loved that school. And this Christmas we had like um, a 10-year reunion or something. Uh, Anyway, um, I really loved that school. And I loved the, the people in my... My class and the teachers and everything, it was, you know, like everything, it had its bad sides. But overall, the school itself was a good experience. Um, But the friendships I had during that time were not really that good. (laughs) Uh, And there were friendships with people who were at the same school, but like not in the same class as me. So same age, but, you know, um... And they were mostly a group of of girls. And, you know, they were like these alternative chicks and stuff like that. So, you know, when you're that age and you're still, you know, um, trying to figure people out. And, you know, you see a group of people and you say, yeah, those look like they might have interests similar to mine. So I'm going to hang out with them. And because, you know, you think okay, these other kids, they're good kids, but, you know, they like football, and I don't really like football, so I won't have anything to, uh, you know, discuss with them. Big mistake. Always choose the the simple football kids, because at least they're authentic. Um, but I didn't know that yet, you know. I didn't know that yet. So, I, yeah, I, I hung out uh, with that group of girls, and... Um, you know, the connection came through that ex-girlfriend of mine. And, um, yeah, and oh, the interesting thing is, um, so back then, after I had broken up with that girl before I went to high school, uh, sometime later she she started a relationship with a girl uh, who was in that friend group. And strangely enough, uh, that girl would in in a very interesting way, define the rest of my uh, high school experience in terms of friendships and social stuff. And I would, um, she would end up developing a very abusive relationship with me, you know, and toward me. Um, and not like romantic relationship, but, you know, just relationship between two human beings, like, you know, semi-friendly with uh, some romantic elements, you know, here and there, but generally I think the common theme was great emotional abuse, um, and it was very interesting, and, you know, now that I think from outside the whole situation back there, it was just just horrible, you know, and nothing else. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's, that's where we're at now, you know, it's... Um, it's high school, um, but before uh, I go more into that, um, there's something I, I forgot to talk about about that last year of junior high, and you know, which was also like the the first uh, year of my like um, formation, you know, aesthetically and of the occult and everything. So it brought with it uh, some interesting reactions from around me. That last year of junior high was uh, when my chronic health problems, uh, especially relating to irritable bowel syndrome, when they first manifested and they've pretty much stuck ever since. And um, I learned later on that it's very common for irritable bowel syndrome or IBS um, to manifest after like a traumatic event or a traumatic period. And that year really was, um, in some ways, very tough for me. <clears throat> so I've, uh, I had always had, until a few years ago, I had always had a, uh, a bad and complicated relationship with my father. And um, uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but the, you know, long and short of it is that. Um, My father, like, believed in corporeal punishment. So let's not um, dress it nicely. He he used to beat me. Um, Like, there was... You could call it spanking, I suppose, as punishment. But um, it it was never... What bothered me most about it was never the... uh, Like, the physical pain or anything. That was never excessive. But it was... um, the expression on my on my father's face where he just uh, during that time he just became a a brainless enraged and uh uncontrollable animal essentially and it's not that he felt differently about it afterwards you know he thought he had done the right thing because that's characteristic of my father you know he he doesn't, think about, he doesn't think a lot about what he does. And I've come to the conclusion that, um, that he can't, let's say. Anyway, why do I mention this? <clears throat> now, um, at some point here in my childhood, the, uh, the spanking stopped. But when I was 14 and started dressing uh, strangely and stuff, it started again. And now I wasn't just a little kid, you know, I was a teenager trying to develop uh, my own self. And not only was I not allowed to do that, not allowed to dress how I want, or um, the music I listened to was suspect for any reason, it was not just that I would be grounded, uh, I would be beaten for it. You know, and I, I remember that I hadn't cried for years you know from like since I was like I don't know 10 I hadn't cried at all almost and that year I there came moments where without even understanding why I just broke down you know crying and I think it was like the all the suppression of uh, who I wanted to be and everything, combined with the resurfacing of childhood drama, uh, trauma, sorry, maybe drama to trauma, um, and all of that coming together and just like exploding inside of me, you know. So I had that to deal with at home. At school, I had that horrible human being of a headmaster whom just didn't like me, you know, for, for an example, you know, and this was bec- before my, like, uh, weird rebellious phase, when I was just a quiet kid, um, so they, uh, th- once, when I, I was bullied a lot um, in that school too, but, you know, a lot, less than in uh, grade school, but still bullied by some people who had followed me from grade school, and, you know, came to the same school, so one time, like, um, eight of them uh, waited for me, uh, because they knew, uh, what way I would take to go home, so they waited for me there, and once I passed, um, three of them beat me up, and the rest of them just watched, you know, and, uh, you know, something like that hadn't happened to me for years, and it was pretty shocking, so, um, my father back then despite all his faults uh, realized that you know that's that's too much and so he went to the principal and um yeah the the principal didn't really want to do anything about it but because my father pushed the the issue he kind of like talked to the parents of those kids of course they weren't punished or anything um and then there was another time where uh, so, you know, I, I said this as a premise. Um, there was a time when I remember we had like, uh, you know, PE and uh, I was like, walk, just walking around, you know, because nobody was looking and I hated PE. So, And, you know, next to me, um, there were just, you know, some of my classmates playing basketball and, you know, they were all in their testosterone-fueled sports mood. Um, and so the ball slipped them somehow and just rolled away. So I took it to give it back to them, you know. And because they were so, um, you know, in that mood, one guy, who was even my friend, I mean, it was there was nothing bad about it, you know, just, dare I say it, boys being boys, um, he just said, Vrasatoulos, you asshole, just give me the ball. So I say, okay, you fucking asshole, take your ball, you know, but it was it was like friendly banter. And at that point the PE teacher who was inside the school all that time getting a coffee from the school cafeteria, at that point where I say asshole, he comes out and um and he tells me, Okay, you know, you're punished, you know whatever. And I was pissed because I hadn't really done anything, you know, and it was just bad luck. So I tried to explain the situation uh, because, you know, I, I felt that it was an injustice um, and he wouldn't hear anything. He, he, would, he would like literally say, I don't care. You know, that's what I'm going to do. So in my being pissed off and just despair of why the fuck won't you just let me explain? I said, you know, sir, you're crazy. But I didn't mean it like a like an insult, so he said, "Okay, go up to the principal, tell him what happened here, and we'll see who's crazy." Okay, I I said, "Okay, I'm sorry." He he said, "No, go up to the principal." I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna go up to the principal, but I, I'm still telling you I'm sorry." Uh, anyway, so I go go up to the principal and um. And he basically uh, tells me. Okay, now now I I see what kind of person you are, and um, you know the last the last last time something happened with you, I brought uh, five sets of parents here for nothing, and it was that fight was all your fault. So you know that's the kind of people I had to deal with um, in that in my junior high school. Um, I didn't feel safe at all. You know, I didn't I didn't feel that I could talk. To uh, my my teachers, uh, about you know what was happening to me and everything. So, so there was this this kind of uh, feeling at school of nobody nobody will stand up for me here. I mean, I had my friends, but you know what could they do in situations like that? Really, um, especially when it came to the headmaster. I, I at school I was I was uh, sometimes bullied and I was unjustly accused of things and uh, totally I, there was like no safety for me at all. So that was at school and at home. I had a father who uh, su- suppressed my self expression, and um, the you know the, the, the punish- punishment for my transgression would be him beating me and reviving my childhood trauma. So I went an entire year uh, through this really schizophrenic um, day-to-day life and um, at the end of that year uh, we had like um, exams uh, at school and I remember that during that time, although I was very relieved that the junior high was over and everything, but at every exam suddenly i felt like you know i was getting diarrhea which never really happened exactly but um uh, like i could easily like get the exam done and then go home and go to the toilet it wasn't like uh, i suddenly had an explosive uh, wave uh, wave of shit coming out of me sorry for the description anyway but it was like my my insides were like protesting my own being, somehow. And um, through the years, i found uh, ways to deal with that, but it's never gone away, you know. I am in pain and discomfort every day. Many days, not that much, sometimes a lot. Um, I can still build a life around that, but I am in pain and discomfort every day, you know. Um, I get... Horrible nausea sometimes. It's uh, uh, spasms and everything. It's uh, you know, it's it's not fun at all. And um, I can't escape though. You know, I have my relationship with my father uh, was mended a lot um, after after years. You know, and uh, after us, like both of us growing um, toward direction to different direction of who we were. I suppose. As a family, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. But anyway, um, our relationship was mended. Uh, And um, even before that, I had forgiven my father. And not necessarily because he deserved it, but um, because it was better for me to just let go, you know. And um, he has done a lot of things to, whether he does it consciously or not, I don't know, but he has done a lot of things to kind of make up for... um, Uh, his mistakes when I was growing up, and I appreciate that. But I can't escape the fact that uh, my father had a big part to play in the fact that my health has been fucked up maybe forever, you know. And it might not pose any danger to me, uh, but I'm in pain and discomfort every day. And um, on some level, it's a reminder of of the fact that uh, I had a bad childhood and a bad adolescence and uh, a bad father in many ways, you know? And so you add that on top of all the, the physical pain and discomfort. Anyway, yeah, so that was that part. I wanted to um, analyze that before I went into the high school stuff. But, you know, so now that that's out of the way, <clears throat> we can go back to um, high school. And, um, okay, so, as I said, there was this girl who was, like, my ex-girlfriend's current girlfriend during during that time. And just to make things simple, uh, her name was Louisa. I don't think I'm, like, doxing her or anything. I think all that is pretty much known. Anyway, and I don't say this with, uh, with ill will now. I just, I really say it with just, as objective an observer as I can be. Louisa was a fucking horrible human being. Okay. I had a love-hate relationship with her. I'm going to go into that more. But whatever, she was a horrible fucking human being. And there's just no other way to say it. She was sadistic. She was mean. Uh, she tried to overcompensate for her or deal with her... Um, inferiority complex by making other people feel like shit and um but she also had like something not exactly charming but she had like in a toxic and twisted way she had a leadership personality and um she was the de facto leader of that group of girls that you know <clears throat> were my friends i guess during that time and Everything in that group would uh, revolve around Luisa. And uh, uh, is she with her girlfriend this period? Is she not? Did they fight? Uh, you know, um, who is Luisa going to make f- feel like shit uh, today so that she can feel better? And I mean, uh, uh, you know, what I'm saying now is like nothing. You you really have had to experience it. But <clears throat> I think we all kind of... Um, I have encountered people like that at some point. So, and um, yeah, so there was even a, a time when, so she kind of, in a way, she was like abusive with all her friends. But um, I think that with me, at least at some point, it was much worse. And, um, you know, during that time, I was very socially awkward. Very socially awkward, so I didn't really know how to navigate, you know, social situations and friendships and girls especially and everything. So I think that that made Luisa hate me even more. You know, it's like when when um, in, uh, in 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 you know amongst chickens, you see one chicken that's like a little bit wounded, and then all the rest of them just go and just like beat it to death you know it's like this sort of instinct and when you have a, a sadistic um, person with a lot of complexes it's it's very easy for that to manifest so uh, you know I was I was like a you know as I said I was a, a goth boy during those days and you know I would I would like put uh, put on um, uh, black eyeshadow you know and um, she would uh, and Luisa would just Say without anything, you know, without without context, completely out of context. Like, like she would say, "Okay, let's meet there at that time." I would come, and then she would see me and say, "Uh, you know, uh, the eyeshadow looks fucking horrible through your glasses." And I would be like, "Okay, you know," and bow down my head and just say, "Okay, okay, yeah, yeah." Um. Uh, that would not make me stop doing it, uh, you know, doing my makeup the way I wanted, but uh, I would not protest to the abuse, you know, whereas I should just have said, just have said, you know, fuck you, bitch, you know, why do you care? Um, but I didn't do that. I never did that. Uh, and, you know, with those kind of people, the more weakness you exhibit, uh, the worse their abuse becomes, you know. So anyway, and at some point... Um uh, we even had like a brief romantic thing, nothing special, just some kissing and everything, but there was there was a, a very strange entanglement of emotions with that girl and um uh, anyway, you know, with all those parameters in the end what was left was just uh, somebody who was very emotionally abusive toward me so yeah and um as i said i was very socially awkward and that's why every time uh i was out with that group of of girls you know i was i i couldn't interact i wanted to but i couldn't so de facto i was the weird guy who just sat there and said nothing and that made people dislike me even more, you know. It's it's almost automatic in teenagers. Uh, I'm not saying they don't have responsibility for how they act, but, you know, for how they feel, it's just it's like uh, automatic, an automatic function. So, and on top of that, on top of being socially awkward, not being able to make the kind of, kinds of relationships I wanted to make and being surrounded by toxic situations... Uh, and also seeing the rest of those people have, if not a happy, at least a, an interesting and alive adolescence, that made me completely hate them. And those were the years where I gathered so much resentment. You know, I, I mean, I already had gathered resentment during my childhood days with all the bullying and everything. But but then it was like resentment with together with envy. And, you know, all that horrible combination of emotions. And that defined me, you know, that kind of hatred and despair. In a strange way, it almost illuminated me. It was almost initiatory, you know. And, um, yeah, there was, the resentment was just, the, the, the way I felt about the world was fucking horrible, to an extent I can't even um, imagine. So, that's at that point, that's where I had the, like, occurrence of my of the first, like, really Wizard in the Ivory Tower moment that I can remember. So, at some point, I realized that, you know, I'm not having fun with with these people that I've like chosen as friends. And um, I, said, I realized that I was only hanging around with them because I was afraid of loneliness. So I said, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be afraid of loneliness. And so I, I did something that would result in um, the best period of my high school days. Sorry, I'm having a cigarette, you know, it's, you can't have um, adolescent memories without a cigarette, I suppose. I didn't smoke during that time, by the way. I started smoking very late. Anyway, um, and um, so, yeah, I decided, you know what, Uh, for a couple of months, I'm not gonna, you know, beyond school, I'm not gonna hang out with those people at all. I'm gonna stay at home. Read my books, listen to my music, write my stories. Just do the things I enjoy, you know. It's okay to be alone. There's nothing wrong with it. Let's try it. So, I would be alone at home and uh, reading Lovecraft and Lord Dunstany. And um, I I remember during that time I I read the Necronomicon version by... um, Tyson? Was it Donald Tyson? I don't remember. It's some name like that. Anyway, and I was listening to Lorena McKennett at the same time and, um, uh, you know, burning incense sticks with like, um, you know, uh, sense of the odors of the East. And it was just a fucking magical journey. And I said, you know, I've been allowing myself to be abused um At least by a situation, you know, that I'm putting myself in just because it hasn't occurred to me that, you know, being alone might be okay. And I think that was like my first strong wizard in the ivory tower moment. So, yeah. And I remember it was, like, at least one month that I I didn't even call those people. And after, like, two months, a common friend of ours, who was a university student during that time, he told me, uh, hey, you know, the girls told me you've kind of disappeared. And, uh, (laughs) you know, know, inside of me, I was like, really, they noticed? Um anyway, so yeah, but it was then that I realized that, you know, fuck those people. And after that, I still had a lot of, you know, heartache and difficult times because it was still socially awkward and I was still interacting. And obviously, you know, I was a young boy, I wanted uh, some sort of romantic relationship with girls and... That was, like, completely impossible for me because I was horribly socially awkward. So it wasn't that it was all good after that, but I always could go back to the things I liked. You know. And um, from then on, I would just, you know, yeah, I would suffer in social situations, but much more than that, I would just read the books I loved and write stories and write poetry and write music and uh, just experimenting with all the aesthetics that I found interesting and going deeper into studying the occult, which, um, you know, was uh, uh, a new territory for me. Uh, Well, I had started some years before, but it was something that I could always explore more and more and more and more. So I had my own world and um it was also a time where i was um uh playing a lot of pc games too and so you know it was it was okay actually um still hard still still traumatic in many ways but the seeds were there for something good you know And obviously, all that time defined me, and the passions uh, of that time defined me, and the resentment defined me. And, for example, you know, most people won't admit this, but, you know, political ideologies and ideologies in general are not formed by you, uh, you know, sitting down and saying, you know, what kind of ideology uh, do I logically consider most functional and best and more No, it doesn't work like that. It works the same way that, you you know, you find uh, the music you like good, you know? And it has a lot to do with what you experience and who you are inside. Like, a big part of it is temperament, obviously, and, you know just who you are deep inside but then it's also what you experience and <clears throat> all those um very bad friends i had during that time who went who, you know were the school cool kids and everything <clears throat> when we were like 17 to 18 they all became communists and you know obviously deep deep inside me the um the way that uh that reacted with my psyche was okay if um Communism is an ideology chosen by such garbage people. Then communism is a garbage ideology. So I'm going to be a capitalist. <laughs> no, I obviously, you know, I uh, politically, you know, it's not that I stuck with my just my feelings. You know, I, uh, I, I, I I never I never liked politics, but because it was all around me, I was forced to examine it and. Without forgetting um, my, uh, you know, the, my passions and my emotions that lead to my political positions, I think that now at least I can make a reasonable argument about my positions. Um, but I freely admit that uh, you know, ideology comes from your passions more than anything, and everybody else should admit that too. Because you know, if they're not admit, if someone is not admitting that, they're just lying most of all to themselves. So, so yeah, um, start to find. So all those years, you know, uh, it, for most people, it's just teenage drama. But I think teenage years define us more than we know. And for me, it it created from a combination of what the world is and what I was. You know, um, the socially awkward, uh, weird kid. It really defined the <clears throat> the foundation of the emotional experiences and the exploration of narratives that led to the concept of the wizard in the ivory tower um uh just one last story you know it's it's not really that important but um i always I always wanted to to, to tell the story you know so uh after we came back from germany my parents uh wanted me to uh you know keep cultivating my german uh which you know is a very reasonable thing for uh, for your parents to want for you you know and uh, i i don't uh, i definitely don't blame them for uh, wanting that um the bad thing is uh, i the, the german teacher i had for, since I was 10 until I was 18, uh, was, in a way, a shitty human being. Um, even now, you know, I, I can't completely blame her. I mean, uh, a big part of me feels pity for her. But she was not a nice person. <laughs> and uh, although I fucking hated her, Uh, Because she was my dad's friend, I had to go to her, you know, for German lessons. Anyway, so she was... um, She actually was German, you know, she had married a Greek guy. And um, she was also a hardcore Stalinist, you know. And so combine you know this German mindset with the Stalinism and you what you get out of that is like a a fucking horrible case of a human being you know and um, (laughs) I mean I had crazy experiences with her I mean I, I remember being 11 years old and her accusing, she was like, I don't know, 65 back at that point, And she was accusing me of uh, being a capitalist and an imperialist. I was 11 fucking years old. I didn't really even know what those things meant, you know. Um, anyway, but the, the funny thing I want to arrive at is, you know, I um, I wanted to, uh, I was planning to study in Germany, in Berlin, because, you know, my my uncle lived there, and, you know, I got this thing in my head that, oh, I had such a bad time in Greece, maybe I should go back to Germany, you know, uh, bad idea. Thankfully, uh, it didn't go all the way through. Um, <clears throat> long and short of it is the summer after high school, I had a horrible, depressive episode because of, of some girl, um, I'm not saying it's her fault, you know, it's uh, it's just... It was like my uh, first time I, like, sort of had a girlfriend after all those years, and I had built her up in my mind as this amazing creature, and then she just... In the beginning, she seemed very into me, and, you know, we just kissed a little bit and stuff, but then she... uh, After, like, two weeks of her being a lot of into me and calling me all the time and stuff, she just disappeared and completely ghosted me, you know, and at that point... My psyche was so delicate that that completely fucked me up. And um, for some time, I was at the like first stages of alcoholism. Um, seriously. Thankfully, uh, it stopped soon enough. Anyway, uh, that's why I came back from Berlin. Because I got into the university there, but I went there. Everything was fine there. I, nothing was wrong. But I was so broken that I could not... Uh, start something new from zero in a new country, you know. So, I came back. Anyway, um, to get into the university in um, in Berlin, I, I had to um, do a German language test, like a very high-level German language test. And um, my German teacher, she was always... Yeah, you'll probably get the, you know, get it, get, get that certificate, but it's going to be barely and with a very bad grade. And she was always telling me this, you know, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, you'll get it, but you're not going to do well. And I, I pretty much got perfect score in that test. So, you know, she called me uh, to ask me how, uh, how it went. And I was really happy, and I I told her, you know, I I got got perfect score, pretty much. And she was not happy. She was disappointed that her prediction was not correct. And man, that that really shocked me in a way, but it's so funny now. But, you know, at that point, it's like, what kind of fucking human being (laughs) is that that my father subjected me to for eight years, you know? Um, and it was it's it's its not strange that I hate everything German and love everything that is English or American now because for all those years I also had an English tutor who kind of became my de facto nanny and she was amazing uh, she was a, she was a Greek American uh, and she just made me love everything that you know that's English related so I I grew up with a love of English and a hatred not for the German language but for Germany and German culture and now, obviously, not all of Germany or all of Germans are like that. She was a special case, you know, combined it with the hardcore Stalinism and you get something just amazingly horrible. Uh, to give you an example, you know, uh, of how, like, big headed she was. Um, she, You know, she like, one part of every German lesson was her trying to explain to me how amazing the Soviet Union was. Uh, and so she was like... Uh, All that stuff about Chernobyl was propaganda. You know, during that time, after the explosions, we ate strawberries that came from the Ukraine and nothing happened to us. Now, that by itself uh, is obviously a stupid statement. But, you know, if actually nothing happened to you, you know, you can say it. Well, her husband had a brain tumor. (laughs) He had a fucking brain tumor. And she was like, nothing happened to us. And I think her husband actually was a really nice guy. And I think it's it's no accident on a karmic level that her husband died in a car accident while she was driving. And I know that sounds horrible for me to say, but um, yeah, I mean, nothing good could come from a human being like that, I think. Uh, anyway, guys, so this was a lot here and there, but I, I hope I gave you some insight into my um into the roots of my psyche uh, regarding my teenage years at least. Um, So, yeah, uh, leave your thoughts below, you know, uh, as I always say, because I really do always love it um, when you tell me what you think uh, and we can have a discussion and everything. And, uh, yeah, I hope to see you soon. I'll have you know the, the schedule will be pretty much uh, as it it is uh, formed so like um, one video that's like a narration story or ASMR or something in the middle of the month and one podcast episode at the end of the month so uh, yeah see you in a couple of weeks uh, with a video bye guys